I want to talk to you today about another one another, and that is how God expects us to encourage one another. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. I, I love the way this is communicated. It says that we should encourage one another and that we should stir one another up. We should stir each other up. Stir each other up. You know what it is to stir each other up? Well, when I thought about this, I immediately thought about a can of paint. I don't know why. Maybe it's because Angela has a couple of paint jobs that's been hanging around there for the last while. But, you know, they're in rooms that people don't normally see, so I'm not that encouraged to do them, even though she encourages me so often to do them. But I know, and we have paint for it even. We bought paint long and ever ago. But I know that before I take that paint out, I can't just open the paint and pour it into the paint tray and just start painting because why? the paint needs to be mixed again, doesn't it? Because after a while, when paint is sitting in a can, it settles. And when paint settles, the oils come to the top and the paint goes to the bottom and everything else in between just all settles there. So what I need to do before, whenever, sometime, whenever I do that job, the first thing I need to do when I open the can is I need to stir that paint up. I need to mix it up again. And I need to mix it, and I need to mix it more. I need to get it all mixed up together again so that it'll be useful. See, when I hear that word stir up, it, it kind of reminds me that when something is stirred up, it's useful. When something is stagnant, like a, you know, a lake that's not being fed, it's stale and there's no life in it. But a lake that's being fed by a fresh water river is full of life and is useful. I love that word, stirred up. God tells us that we are to stir one another up to love and good works. You know what that means? That we can settle. You and I, we can settle. You know, if we don't get in that place where we're stirred up, we just, we get settled. Don't we? Yes, we do. Amen? If we're not, we, we got to stir ourselves up, yes, but we got to stir other people up too. We got to stir people up, encourage people to come on. Let's get stuck in to what we've got to do. It goes on and says in verse 25, it says, Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day draw near. How many people have you encouraged today? That's probably an unfair question because it's early still, so we may not have came in contact with that many people. But how many people would you say you've encouraged in the last week? And now you're trying to think, okay, did I encourage? Yeah, okay, maybe, yeah. And I think most of us, if we were to actually think about it, we probably didn't encourage that many people during the week. We may have gone the other way. We may have discouraged plenty of people. Amen. I think sometimes we're better at discouraging than we are encouraging, aren't we? But I think we need to flip that, don't we? Amen. I think we need to flip that. We need to become encouragers. You know, when you watch a football game, and especially an American football game, they have cheerleaders there. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, cheerleaders are not just there for middle-aged men to leer over. The purpose of a cheerleader is to, whether the team is winning or losing, the purpose of the cheerleader is to cheer the team on. Because if the team is winning, the cheerleader will encourage the team, come on, you can do better, you can, you can score more. If the team is losing, the purpose of the cheerleader is to come alongside and say, hey, listen, you're not beat yet. You can do it. You, come on, we're not that far behind. We can, we can beat these. Yeah. 
That's the purpose of a cheerleader. Amen? I kind of believe God wants us to be cheerleaders. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Cheerleaders in, in our church to encourage one another. Cheerleaders in life when we see people around us or we have friends that we know are down. Instead of us ignoring the problem, I think maybe we can cheerlead them. If you've got a friend that maybe has gone through some financial difficulties and, and you know you can't help him financially, but you know what? You can encourage him. You can say, God's got this. God's taking care of you. You know what? The, the breakthrough is on the way. You may not see it yet, but the breakthrough is coming. And, and that's encouraging words, amen? Okay, you may not have the means to go and say, here, I'm going to take care of all your needs. But you, you can say, God's got it. You know, you're a believer. God's on your side. Just trust God. We can do that, can't we? That's the very least we can do. And I think, you know what? We can do it. Amen. Over the last couple of weeks, we've watched a few rugby games, Rebecca and I. And I think on every rugby team, no matter how good they are or bad they are, there's encouragers. I've seen it. I've seen it that, you know, once, once the game is tough and once, once, once the game is hard, whether they're winning or losing, there's always at least one player that will go around to the rest of the team and they'll slap them on the back or they'll, they'll pull them up out of the, off the ground and they'll just get up in their face and say, come on, we need to keep on going. We need to get stuck in. You know, we're not beat yet or, or we, can, we can score more. They're, they're in every team. I believe in every walk of life we need to have them too, Amen. We need to have people in our lives that are encouraging us. But also, we need, we need to encourage people too. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We need to be encouragers. We need to be the one. Because I think a lot of us kind of suck at it. Amen? We're, we're not that really good at it. We like, we like people coming to encourage us, but, but we don't reciprocate very often. That needs to change. Amen? Amen? Yeah. That needs to change. We need to start encouraging one another whether we feel like it or not. Because oftentimes we don't feel like it. We just don't. We don't feel like encouraging others. You know, I, I, you know what, what do you want me to encourage that person for? I need someone to encourage me. Well, maybe if you encourage that person, someone would encourage you. Amen. Amen? Do unto others as you would expect them or like them to do unto you. Amen. If you want someone to come alongside you and encourage you, be an encourager. Amen? Hebrews chapter 3 again says there, it says in verse 13, it says that we are to encourage one another daily, every day. Not just, you know, once a month, not just once a year, not just when they do something nice. It says we are to encourage one another daily, whether they deserve it or not. We are to encourage one another daily. God commands us to encourage one another daily. We need to encourage each other in the church. Well, I believe encouragement starts in the home. Yes. Amen. Yes. Husbands, you need to encourage your wives. Yes. Wives, you need to encourage your husbands. Yes. We got to do it. Amen. Right. We got to do it. And I know what you're saying to me. And I know, she's not the greatest cook, so why should I tell her that food was nice? <laughs> well, he promised me that he was going to paint the kitchen and he hasn't done it, so why should I encourage him? Well, maybe if she was to do what I asked her to do, maybe if she was to obey. How's that work for you so far? Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I wonder, would we get the results that we think obedience will give us if we learn to be more encouraging? 
Amen. Said every husband and wife in the place and parent. I wonder would we get the results that obedience, we think obedience will give us if we learn to be more encouraging. The same goes for our kids. Amen. Amen. When was the last time you encouraged your kids? Colossians 3 verse 21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. We're not meant to discourage our kids. Okay, we can bring correction, we can bring discipline, but in all our correction and discipline that we bring, we always need to bring it with encouragement. Amen? If they don't get a good result on the exam paper, encourage them anyway, but encourage them to do better. You know, by us falling out with our kids or by us being annoyed with our kids is not going to change our kids. Amen. If we want to change our kids, the Word of God says that we have to encourage them, even though you want to strangle them. You can't do it, amen. You've got to encourage them. Strangle them only gives pleasure momentarily. Amen. You know, as parents, we need to... We need to... As parents, take advice from the parent of us all, God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You know, I, I know that, that, that we look to our fathers, uh, our earthly fathers and, and our earthly mothers for, for the way that we uh, um, um, raise our kids and we, we, we look for the encouragement that they gave us to pass on to our kids. But oftentimes that's not the case. We, we, we didn't all get that. But in that case, you look to the one, our, our God, our father. Amen? who, despite all of the bad things that we did, still gave us Jesus. Yeah. Amen? He still gave us Jesus. I think a lot of us, if we were in that position, we'd have said, no, no, they don't deserve him, not giving him. But God calls us to be encouragers. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. When was the last time you prayed Jeremiah 29, 11 over your kids? I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. When was the last time that you talked about future to your kids? When was the last time you said to your kids, you know what, you can be the greatest. You can be whatever you put your hand to. No matter what anybody else says about you, you know what, I believe there's great in you. I believe you're more than a conqueror. I believe that there's some great things that you can accomplish and achieve in life. When was the last time that when your kid came to you, you just said, hey, listen, I'm busy. You know, just please, just, you know, um, give me five. We can't do that, amen. We've got to encourage our kids. We've got to encourage our kids, amen. Amen? For the want of encouragement, there's great kids out there are going through lives of destruction. It's all around us. <clears throat> it's all around us. For the want of someone putting an arm around that 15-year-old who's egging people's houses or selling drugs. For the want of someone coming alongside that kid, putting their arm around him and saying, Hey, listen, I, I believe there's great in you. I believe there's, there's God has put some gifts and talents in you that we haven't even scratched the surface of yet. I believe because they're not getting the encouragement that they should be getting. Not only in the home, but in the wider community. Yeah. That's why we have the problems that we have. Yeah. Amen? Because the encouragement is not there. We need to learn to encourage our children. As parents, we need to understand Psalms 29 Sorry, Psalms 127 of verse 3 says that children are a heritage from God. They're a heritage from God. Our kids are a heritage from God. God has given us our kids. Our, an offspring are a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of warriors are 
children born in our youth. You know what that's saying? That, that God has given you kids to mold as parents. He's given you kids to mold. You know, when you look at the kids in society today that are out there causing the most trouble, the reason they're causing the most trouble is because their parents never encouraged them. Their parents can say, oh, I don't know what went wrong with him. I don't know how they ended up that way. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. No, no, it's your fault because you didn't encourage him. Amen. No kid was born any more evil than the next kid. Amen. Two kids born on the same night in the, in the same hospital at the same time have the same opportunities if only both of them were encouraged the same way. One goes on to be a doctor, one goes on to sell drugs, ends up in jail. Same opportunities were there, just weren't encouraged. Encouragement is so important. Amen? It says, blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. Children are a blessing. They're not a curse. Amen? They are a blessing. Do you know that encouragement really is fuel to an individual, a fuel to the church? Encouragement is fuel. It's like petrol to a car. If you encourage someone, it, 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 it energizes them. It, it, it encourages them to, I can do more. I can do better. It's fuel. Amen. It's aviation fuel. It's, it's uh, whatever is the best kind of fuel you can get. That's what encouragement is. When you tell your kids or when you tell your husband or you tell your wife or you tell someone around you that, you know what? You're doing great. And you'll do better. When you do that, that's like fuel to them. They, they want to do even better. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Yes. No one ever won anything without first being encouraged. Amen. Amen. Everybody needs a fan. You know that. Everybody needs a fan. Everybody needs someone who is their fan. Who's there for them all the time, regardless of whether they're good or bad. Someone that's going to cheer them on. I always admire the fans of a team that's on the bottom of the league, haven't won a game for the season, and yet they show the fans over on this side of the field and they're still singing their praises. They're singing, come on, Chelsea, even though they're horrible and nobody likes them, and Arsenal <laughs> and all those other teams, United and Liverpool, that nobody likes. But I admire their fans. They still cheer this rubbish teams. Amen? Just give it to me. Let me have that one. Amen. But they cheer them on anyway. They cheer on the defeated team. They're still there cheering them. And you know what? In their continuing of cheering on the, their team, they will eventually win. Amen? They will eventually win. We all need fans. Amen? Despite the fact whether they look like they're going to win or lose, we still need to cheer them on, encourage them, build them up. Amen? Everybody needs somebody. Amen? 2 Corinthians 13, again, it says in verse 11, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. It says, encourage one another. Be of one mind. You know, when we encourage each other, it produces unity. And where you have unity, it produces growth. The churches that grow and get stronger and advance and, and witness to more people are the ones that are united and they are the ones that are full of encouragement. They're full of encouragement. No matter what they go through, they're always encouraging each other. They're always encouraging each other to go and, and do the work that God has called you to do. 
They're always encouraging people, saying, you know what, you may not be gifted in this area, you may not be gifted in that area, but you are gifted and we will find where you're gifted. Amen? We need to be encouragers. We need to be of one mind. Amen? Encouragement brings joy. Amen? Where someone is down and someone's got a face on them, when someone comes around them, puts their arm around them and tells them that, you know what, I'm on your side. I'm, gonna be, I'm with you through this fight. I'm with you through this struggle. That brings unity, amen? That brings strength. That brings a, a, a new vigor to, to yeah, okay, let's, let's go together. Let's win this thing together, amen? We need to be encouragers. We need to come alongside of each other. We need to be helping each other. We need to be working together. Ecclesiastes 4 says in verse 9, it says, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if one falls, for if they fall, sorry, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again it says, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Two, uh, sorry, uh, though one may overpower, be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. Two can withstand. Two can keep warm together. Two can encourage each other. Two are better than one. Nobody wants to be on their own. Amen? Amen? Nobody wants to be in the battle, in the fight on their own. We all need a companion. You know one of my favorite things to do on a Sunday is to go for a drive Sunday evening. If it's fine, if it's nice evening, just to go randomly anywhere at all, just for a drive. I don't go on my own. Amen? I bring Angela. We go and we have some time together. When we go on holidays, we don't go on our own. Who wants to go on holidays on their own? Nobody. Why? Because we were created to share together. Amen? We are created to, to be one. Amen? To encourage each other, to build each other up. That's what we need to be doing. Amen? We need to be encouraging each other. We need to be building each other up. When God created the world and everything in it, when he saw Adam, when he was finished creation, he, he, he looked at Adam and he said, hey, there's no one comparable to him. I'm going to create someone just for him. And he created him Eve because God knew two are better than one. Amen? John chapter 14. And it says there, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he will abide with you forever. The helper... Here that Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus knew that when he was going back to the Father, he knew that, you know what? Even if those people are going to be isolated on their own, I'm going to give them someone. I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give them someone that in their isolation, they can still turn to God and, and hear, from, hear from God. I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit. He will be with them always. God knows that we need encouragers. God knows that we need people around us to bring the best out of us. Amen. That's a great job. Good job. Well done. You've done well. You know, you can do this. All encouraging words that need to be in our vocabulary. Amen. But I think most, most times in our vocabulary is, what's the story with this? What happened here? You know, that, that's not great. You know, oh, I should have got someone else to do it. I should have paid someone to do it. They will. We need to be encouraging. Whether sometimes it's hard to encourage because maybe it hasn't been a great job, but we need to encourage anyway. Amen? That's right. Amen. 
even when you don't do the painting. We need to still encourage. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Amen? Isn't it great when come, someone comes alongside you and encourages you to keep going? There's a story over in the Old Testament of the Word of God that I know you'll all be familiar with. It's the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer over in 1 Samuel 14. The children of Israel were under attack by the Philistines and they ended up in a siege situation where all the Israelites, they were in hiding and the Philistines were just waiting for them to pop their heads out so they could pick them off. When King Saul's son Jonathan comes up with this crazy idea to attack a garrison of Philistines, just him and his armor bearer. And it says in 1 Samuel 14 and verse 6, it says, And then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, You must be mad. I'm not going over there. Just you and I to attack the Philistines on our own. No, he didn't say that now, did he? And I hope your silence there meant that you were reading along with me and not thinking that that's what actually happened. It says in verse 7, it says, So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that's in your heart. Go then, I am with you, according to your heart. Now, do you think that Jonathan's armor bearer was really wanting to go and attack the Philistines just himself and, and Jonathan? I'd say he was thinking to himself, he's nuts. Just the two of us going after a garrison of Philistines, well-trained Philistines. I mean, this is, this is it. This is, I'm writing my will. This is game over now. I'm, I'm dead man. But he didn't say that. He said to Jonathan, do what's in your heart. He said, I am with you. You know, I believe I am with you are four of the most encouraging words that anybody can use in this world. I'm with you. If someone says, you know what, I'm going to go and plant a church in Ross Lair. And someone says, I'm with you. Someone says, I'm going to do this. And even though it sounds like a mad idea, someone comes along and says, you know what, I'm with you. Do what's in your heart. We all need the I am with you's behind us. We all need the person who maybe in their practical thinking are thinking, <laughs> I can't see that working, but you know what, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know what? Through, through all this process, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to be with you. You know, if it's a success, and you know what? I, I'll be with you if it's a failure. You know, somebody said to Steve Jobs 30 years ago when he said, I'm going to make a whole new computer system and I'm going to call it Apple. Someone said to him, I'm with you. And someone put their money behind Steve Jobs' crazy idea. And you know that somebody today is worth billions because they put a few thousand dollars under Steve Jobs and says, you know what? Whatever you have in your heart, I'm with you. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should say I'm with you to every crazy idea, but we need to encourage you, amen? We need to encourage because we don't know where this person is going to end up. We don't know what God has put in their heart. We don't know the great things that God has in it set up for them, lined up for them. I'm with you. You know, if they fail, then that's fine. You say, hey, listen, I'm with you. Where do we go to next? What are you going to do next? 
I think all too often when people fail, we stand over them looking at them saying, told you so. Should we not rather be people who when people fail go say, hey, listen, come on. Come on, let's go again. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what we need to be, amen. We need to be that in our church. We need to be that in our homes. We need to be that with our kids. We need to be that with our friends. Amen. I'm not saying that if your friend comes up with a harebrained idea that you should put your life savings into it. But you know what? Say to him, hey, listen, anything I can do for you, I'll do it. If I can do it, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm backing you. I'm encouraging you. We need to do that. Amen. Jonathan and his armor bearer, when they had that unity there, when that encouragement was there, they went up and they killed over 20 of the Philistines together. 20 Philistines, two people killed together because they were united, they were encouraging each other. Amen? Imagine what we could do if we were more united and more encouraging here in this church. Imagine the amount of people that we could reach together. Imagine the amount of people, imagine the amount of souls that, that we could bring in together for God's glory. Imagine what we could do if we had the same heart. Ecclesiastes 4 again says, verse 12, it says, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. I mean, two people, just two people together are powerful. Amen? If they're encouraging each other, if they have that one anotherness together. Amen? Glory to God. We don't have to agree with everything. We don't have to think that every idea they come up with is great. But if we got unity, if we got encouragement, there's no end of what we couldn't do. Mark chapter 3, verse 25 says, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If a house, whether it be a church or whether it be a home, if it's divided against itself, can't stand. But if there's unity there, if there's oneness there, if there's encouragement there, there's no end of what that home can't do. Amen? There's no distance that that home can't travel. There's no end of the amount of people that it can't encourage and bring to God. Amen? Church, we have to be encouragers. Give me two minutes. I want to give you a story. In Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus brought his disciples to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and you know the story, it's where Jesus went and said, you know, who do you say that I, the son of man, am? You know the story. Matthew 16, it says in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, this is kind of a silly question because he's given them the answer in the question. I love when people do that when they give you the answer in the question. Do you? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? If you haven't got that answer yet, praise God, you're like the disciples because they didn't get it either. Because a lot of them came up with some you know, some of them said, you know, you're John the Baptist. Some others said Elijah. Some others said Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You know, every time I'm sitting in a meeting and someone asks a question, I'm very slow to answer. As I'm sitting there where you're sitting and they, they throw out a question, random question, and, and, you know, everyone from every side is throwing an answer out. And I usually keep stum. I don't say anything. Because uh, knowing what I know is usually the question they're asking is a trick question. And I don't want to look dumb by answering a trick question wrongly. That's a little tip for you next time someone throws out one of those questions there. Maybe silence is the best answer and frustrate the guy who's trying to trick people. Amen? But this is what happened when Jesus threw this question there. The disciples said, you know, eh, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah. Some others say, 
Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, but then Jesus, he asked the question again because they didn't get it right. But he said, who do you say that I am? And I believe the next time when he said this, the, 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 the disciples who talked, they all kind of, all right, okay. It's not John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets then. So, okay. And Peter, good old Peter speaks up as he does. And he says to the question, who do you say I am? Even though the answer was there. He said and he spoke some of the most profound words ever spoken by a mortal. And he said, I think that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, it's very important for us to see that Peter used the word there, Christ or the anointed one. He didn't say just a good person. He said, I believe that you are the one sent from God on a special mission. Now what did Jesus do in return when he heard what Peter had just said? He looked at him and he said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Or if we put that into today's language, Jesus said, Well done, Simon. Well done. I, I believe if you were there. Because the, the, the Bible is written to us on paper in, in, in one day. I believe if you were there, if you could see what went on there, I believe Jesus had a smile from ear to ear. I believe he went up to Simon and I say, he probably said, give me five. <laughs> I say he say, I, I, I'd say he was, Jesus was probably red in the face with such joy that, that Peter had heard from God. And he probably just went, I mean, Peter, you are, you, you're the man. <laughs> oh, Peter, well, I'd say he, he, he probably looked at the rest of the disciples and he said, a, a round of applause for Peter. Peter's just heard from God. Well done, Peter. And he said, you are Peter or Petra, a small rock or pebble. And Jesus said, on this revelation that God has just given you, Peter, the revelation that I am the one sent from God, he said, I would build my church or Petros, this, this huge immovable mountain of a stone. What Jesus was saying in, in, in reflect to Peter was, he was saying, because Peter meant Petra, he said, Peter, you're like, like Rocky to me. You're, you're the man. You, you're, you're hearing from God. I'm, my, my esteem for you, Peter, now has just risen so highly. You're the man. And you know what? This was, this was Jesus setting Peter up in the sense that when Peter denied Jesus three times, and when Jesus came back and had breakfast with him by the sea then, Jesus didn't scold Peter. He didn't come back and say, ha, Right one you are. Said you were going to stand with me and you didn't. He, he, Jesus didn't do that. He came back to Peter. He gave him his breakfast and he said, Hey Peter, I'm restoring you. You go feed my sheep, Peter. Because you're the man, Peter. Remember that conversation we had? You're the man, Peter. You go. You go now. Church, sometimes we feel like that. You know what? They're not worth encouraging. The things that they do, are that they're, they're more annoying to me than someone I need to encourage. Do you know you'll build more bridges with encouragement than, you'll than, than you will by tearing someone down? We need to be encouragers. Amen? Amen? Again, 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Therefore, encourage one another. Church, we need to encourage one another. How do you think Peter felt when Jesus encouraged him? I think he felt 16 feet tall. I think he felt three 
meters wide. I think he felt that there's nothing that he couldn't do. And I think if we do the same to others around us, I think there's nothing that we can't do in Jesus' name. Amen?